episode 64 of Bee Boomer Unleashed, The Evolution of Music, Part 1, an interview with Randy Bishop. I'm Jerry Lake, the Unleashed Baby Boomer, and I'll be your host for today's episodes and for all the episodes of Bee Boomer Unleashed. Before we get into today's episode, let me once again remind you where you can always find us. You can find our podcast at beboomerunleashed.podbean.com. You can find us on iTunes and Google Play at Be Boomer Unleashed, on iHeartRadio at b.boomerunleashed, on Facebook, Spotify, and Instagram, you can find our link at Be Boomer Unleashed, and on Twitter at Be Boomer Unleashed One. And as always, we encourage you to drop us an email at beboomerunleashed at gmail.com. Once again, that's beboomerunleashed at gmail.com. Give us your comments, suggestions, and ideas for future episodes. Or if you'd like to be a guest on Bee Boomer Unleashed, drop us a line. We'll do our best to get you on. Well, as we told you last week, we're going to take a little break from life after high school to launch a new series we're going to call The Evolution of Music. We'll take a look at all the genres from Boomer Days right up to today. But during this walk down memory lane, we're going to rely on the expertise of our guests to assist us in making this historical walk. And our first episode is with Huntington native Randy Bishop. And uh, we're going to talk a bit about his experiences during those happy days that we refer to as the baby boomer era. Let's go to that recorded interview now. Well, we'd like to welcome Randy Bishop to the Bee Boomer Unleashed show today. And Randy, uh, I've known for about 100 years, I guess. And uh, believe it or not, at he's, least. A, he's yeah, at least he's a baby boomer. He looks like he's still 17, but he's he's, a, he's actually a baby boomer. And I got to know Randy through my cousin, Larry Cartmill. They were like best friends growing up. And I was the country mouse. And these guys were the city mice. And <laughs> but I, I did get to know uh, Randy uh, very well, and we kind of reconnected a few months ago, and uh, it's been uh, been great getting to know him again. So, Randy, yeah. Randy, welcome to Be Boomer Unleashed. Thank you. It's so very good to be here. I appreciate the compliment about my age, and since no one can see me, I'll, I'll say, yeah, that's true. I look like I'm 17. Yeah, sure. <laughs> hey, uh, Randy is, uh, of course, a Huntington, West Virginia native. He's down in uh, Georgia now. He and his wife, Joyce, he married one of our Barbersville beauties. He was uh, Randy went to Huntington East High School, and and he and his wife, Joyce, have been in Georgia for, for some time now. But, uh, Randy, yeah. Randy, tell me, you know, uh, were there other people in your family who were musically inclined, or are you the only musician in the family? How did, how did you get interested in music uh, growing up? Oddly enough, there are no musicians that I know of in my family. My dad uh, played a little bit of really you know bad harmonica. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my brother apparently at one time thought maybe he'd like to do something. He had a guitar at the house. Right. And... It had been through the mill, you know, it was an old guitar, old beat-up guitar, and it only had two strings on it, the top two strings, fortunately for me. And I was probably, I don't know, seven or eight years old, and uh, I figured out that if I tuned those top two strings, I could make a chord out of them. And I would sit around and play the top two strings on the guitar, and one day my mother came in and said, 
you can actually play songs on that guitar with just two strings. <laughs> I said, yeah. So she you bought you four more? Guitar? I have no idea. <laughs> uh, so they ended up buying me a guitar. And, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. Right. <laughs> well, you know, you've been, uh, like I say, you've been involved in music uh, basically your whole life. And we'll talk a little bit about your career after high school. And uh, we just finished up a series on life after high school. Actually, we took a break on a series, Life After High School. We did about 10 episodes. We've probably got about 10 more to do, but I wanted to kind of yeah. switch gears a little bit here and uh, and talk about this uh, this music deal. So as a as a teenager, uh, as baby boomers, and of course, we were, we're products of the 50s and 60s, and uh, uh, music was a bit different than yeah, Maybe you are, Jerry. I'm only <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Music was a bit different then, yes, wasn't we are. it? I agree with you. Yeah. Product of the 50s and 60s. What a great era to grow up. The best. Couldn't have been better. The best. Music, uh, music's a little different today than it was then. What, you know, the music we grew up on, you could actually understand the words. You know, and it had hooks, and you could, you know, even today when I hear old songs played, I'm amazed I can still sing all the lyrics to most of those songs. And... Today, I can't even understand the lyrics to the songs. I have no idea what they're talking about. Well, if, I, so, if, if you could understand the words, you can't understand the message. You know, that's, that's a big really, part of music. I, I just don't get it sometimes. I mean, I know that our parents who grew up on, you know, Benny Goodman and Glenn Miller and love that kind of stuff, and Frank Sinatra used to say, you know, how do you stand that rock and roll music? But on the other hand, compared to what, they have today rock and roll music was a great thing and still is i still enjoy it today and still listen to it and you know the old songs were more melodic than the new songs are today i mean that's not to say there aren't some good songs out today but when you think about all the great artists that have come and gone and all the great groups and especially all the great groups that are still touring like the eagles and the rolling stones and all these guys they're the show groups, and you don't see that with any performers today. I mean, to get a show, you almost have to go back to the groups that we grew up on. And fortunately, some of those guys have managed to live this long so they can still tour. <laughs> I don't know how they do it, but, you know, whatever they're taking, I want some. But it seems like it seems like most of the groups today, they want to either be a YouTube sensation or they... Uh, or in some sort of digital media or on some, you know, TV production. But you're right, there just aren't many touring groups today, and that used to be a huge deal. It was a huge deal. And I had the uh, unusual good fortune to talk to Peter Frampton, of all people, one wow. day. On, I know, yeah. Being in the industry, it's, it's a little more closer-knit than you think it is. And uh, if you know someone like I knew a friend of his who's also a musician— uh, it was it was okay for him to talk to me, you know. So he was telling me that in the old days, you know, he made all of his money on selling records. I mean, that was the big income revenue stream. But today, it's from touring. Of course, Peter, unfortunately, just did his last ever tour. He has some kind of malady that's going to prevent him from touring anymore. But um, today's artists, you know, they, they have to rely on trying to get out there to make money because album sales or record sales, the amount of money they can earn are just, you know, 
one one hundredth of a penny, you know, on each each copy sold or something. It's it's not a revenue stream for them anymore. Oh, no, I remember, you know, growing up, we couldn't wait to get a little bit of money in our pocket and go down to Davidson's record shop or somewhere and buy the latest, buy the latest single. Conversation, <laughs> the best Saturdays of my life with you and your cousin, Larry Carpenter, right. um, spent downtown at Davidson's record shop listening to music and oogling all the young ladies. Oh, yeah. And um, and then we'd go bowl a few games and uh, <laughs> eat a cheeseburger. Right. <laughs> it was always a great, great day. All we those were the days. Saturdays in a row. Rode the bus downtown, as I recall. Yeah. And these old, uh, these, these, these old record shops like Davidson's, they had a place where you could actually go back and, and listen to the music. You know, you could, they, yeah, you could you, listen in a booth. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't that great? Go back there and they'd play an album for you. I remember it was quite a long time, though, before I had enough money to buy an actual album. I always bought, you know, singles. Right. Because you get them for a lot less money. And um, and I had a lot of singles. But, yeah, I think the first album I ever bought was a Ventures album. I think Walk, Don't Run uh, might have been the name of the album or The Ventures with that song on it. And that was the first album I ever bought, and I was so proud. I think it cost $5. Wow. <laughs> what do you suppose the fascination is today? You know, we see a lot of people buying vinyl again today. What, 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 how did that catch on? You know, I'm shocked about it because having been in the business, you know, when CDs came out, what a revelation it was that you could listen to something that didn't have pops and scratches in it. Right. You know, it sounded so pristine, so crystal clear that I could never have imagined that vinyl with all its inherent problems would come back. But I think there is something to the idea of putting the needle down on the record and sitting there with that album cover with all the credits and all the information and the big photography um, I think it's appealing. I think it's the reason we liked albums back in the day, and I think that's why some people have rediscovered albums. I think it's a great thing, but I also don't want to see CDs go away. Oh no, kind of far. Yeah, I know, me either. But you know, a lot of people instead of um, playing a CD now, they just download a tune, you know, digitally, some digital file. They download and play it on an iPod or an iPhone or something like that. So. It's yeah. it's the the vinyl is you know has a bit of nostalgia too you know it does absolutely does but you know it's funny you mentioned that about downloading and I know everyone does it and I'm you know probably someone who likes listening to music maybe more than than some being a musician but I still find it an aggravation to have to sit and download all my <laughs> songs I want to just go out and you know get them all on the album or buy a CD right. and have it there, you know. Right. I don't want to have to sit for hours and download songs, you know. Um, I, I guess I, I just want the easy way. I want to just buy it and have it already done for me. But apparently no one seems to mind that but me. Well, the way, <laughs> the way we downloaded back in the day was we would sit and, and listen to usually 800 AM key radio and yeah. just praying that somebody, Jack O'Shea or somebody, would play a song we wanted. And if we had a little, you know, for a while we had reel-to-reel tape recorders, and then we graduated to cassette. And, man, if you hit yep. record quick enough, you could download it on your cassette player. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you might miss the first 15 seconds of the song. Right. But, yeah, you, 
part of it. Uh, and not that great of a recording, but it was a recording. But, yeah, you know, when you think about Jack O'Shea and WKE and that, that radio station that we all listen to, think about all the genres of music they played on that station. It's incredible. I mean, we if you listen to that station, you heard you know, rock and roll, you heard country, you heard sort of folk music, uh, big bands. I mean, it was just a little bit of everything. So everybody was exposed to all different kinds of music, which no one gets now because they tune into one specific kind of station that plays one genre and they don't hear anything else. I mean, I think that was a really great thing that we got oh, to hear. And you, know, and you know, the thing about uh, disc jockeys like Jack O'Shea and others around the country People don't really understand how much power they had in yeah. whether an artist was going to make it or not. Because if you didn't get airtime, if you didn't get your tune played on the air, nobody bought it. I know. Yeah. And unfortunately, today, there are very few, you know, real disc jockeys. I mean, you know, you might be sitting in your hometown of Huntington, West Virginia, and the guy that's on the air might be coming from New York. Right. Um, he's not necessarily in your hometown. I know that you guys are fortunate enough to have some stations up there that still do have local DJs, which is great. But here in Atlanta, I'm never sure if they're local or, you know, if they're in California. Sure. Because a lot of it's computerized and, you know, it's, it's just not the same as it, as it was. And typically, I think today... A company called Clear Channel owns most of the radio stations right. across the country, right. and they control pretty much everything that you hear. So that that's one good thing about the fact that there are other sources of media out there that you can find music on. You know, YouTube and and digital download streams and uh, and podcasts. Oh yeah, you can you can find those. Yeah. You can find some really good ones uh, with Jerry Lake on there. Oh, yeah, who knows? And, you know, uh, it's um, I guess it was probably in the 60s, uh, and you'd know better than me probably, but it was probably in the 60s when some of these syndicated DJs came into their own, like Casey Kasem and, and all these America's Top 40 or whatever it was. And, right. And yeah. we'd tune into that, and they'd have that Top 40 countdown, you know. That's right, yeah. And I'm I'm sure that everyone across the country, all in unison, listened to that top forty countdown. I know I did. Oh yeah. I mean, and everybody else did. And yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's a DJ like that today. You know, the guy that does American Idol. What's his name? Ryan Seacrest. Yeah, Seacrest. Seacrest. Yeah. yeah. He, he's probably the closest thing to that today. And I know he has a, a radio program out in L.A. But, you know, not everybody across the country is listening to it like they did with Casey Kasem. I mean, that was he, – he really owned the, the market across the country, you know, for the top 40 countdown. That, sure. was, that was a neat thing. It was. Another thing that's kind of changed, and, um, you know, when they have dances, which I don't think they have as many as they used to. I know when we were in high school, you always had a mixer after a football game or something, you know. And Oh, yeah. And uh, now when there's a dance, there's always a DJ that comes in and spins uh, music from a, a predetermined list or whatever. But back in our day, it was the it was the garage band era, wasn't it? I mean, there oh, were a lot of bands. I mean, that's how, you know, I learned to to play, playing for little dances and sock hops and all kinds of things. You know, I started in a band when I was 
11 years old. Right. And uh, I remember my first gig was at Inslow um, Junior High School. And I got paid five dollars. <laughs> I was in a, I was playing soccer. Did they, did they get their money? Did they get their the money's worth? Eleven years old. His name was Buster <laughs> Clark, an incredible drummer. And the other two guys were in high school. They were like sixteen years old. Right. But um, you know, it was like a sock hop, and and we got paid our five bucks, and I thought it was amazing. And that, that's when I realized I wanted to do that, you know. And so I kept playing and and got in a lot of different bands, but. Uh, yeah, a bunch of fun, and you just don't see that now. And it's, I remember as a as a guy that always had a band, you know, I didn't like disc jockeys <laughs> because they were eating into our territory. Right, you know? right. I thought it should be live music, but I, I I definitely understand the appeal of a disc jockey. And you know, um, we ended up in later years when we had the band um, when I was a little more mature. We had a you know a real band. Um, we would we would play like a forty minute set, and then we would have like DJ music for twenty minutes, and then we would come back on do forty, and then a DJ for twenty. So we had like both things going on. So that when people hired us, you know, that was like nonstop music, and they seemed to really like that part. Oh, and for prom back in the day, uh, I don't know how it was at Honey Nice, but <laughs> for a couple of the proms I went to there at Barbersville, it was the big band. Mel Gillespie, oh, yes. Mel Gillespie and those guys. Mel you know? Gillespie Orchestra. Yeah. Yeah. I'll never forget it. And he had a big bus with his name. Oh, yeah. It. it was awesome. And, and um, yeah, I know. I, I remember, you know, to get the cool music, you know, like from some local band, you had to go to the after prom. Right. But when you were dressed up in your formal, yeah, you were going to get the big band and everybody was, it was pretty much a slow dance every day. Oh, yeah. You know. Yeah. Which wasn't bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was special. I mean, it made it seem, wow, there's a big band here. It was it was quite a thing, you know. And um, yeah, I, I, I think it's a shame. I don't know what kids do today when they go to the prom. Do they do they have a DJ or do they? Ever yeah, they. A band? I don't no, know. they don't have a band. They have a DJ and uh, whew, wow, the dancing today, Randy's kind of X-rated. I, it's just. Uh, uh, oh well, it, when when's the next one of those going to be? That we <laughs> go to? Uh, yeah, it's not not like the slow dancing we did back in the day. No, it's, um, it's not. But you know, it's a shame. I mean, you know, I always used to hear my parents say things like, "You guys, you know, you don't know what's good," and yada yada yada. But um, I think it is kind of a shame that kids today don't don't get live music. You know, they don't have that sort of elegant feeling that, that we got when we went to the prom, like it was a very special thing. I remember washing my mother's car so I could take my date to the prom. Right. And now I see the kids just get, you know, they hire a big stretch limo. Right. <laughs> and they yeah. all go, I mean, well, you know, I was th- proud because I'd washed the car and gotten it all oh, cleaned yeah. up and picked up my date, you know. Um, well, those days are another crazy. thing about kids today, I know, you know, when you and I were growing up, we had the clock set for when we turned 16 so we could go down and get our permit and drive, you know. Oh, the very second. Yeah. The very second. Yeah. But kids today, some of them don't even want a driver's license. I don't get that. And some kids are 19, 20 years old, and they're maybe, well, now I better get a driver's license, you know, but they really don't seem too concerned about it. I know. I mean, I don't understand. I mean, 
Yeah, I couldn't wait to get out on my own in a car. That was freedom. Plus, the just dating, the fact that you could pick up your date in your car, uh, you know, I mean, oh, my gosh. I don't, I don't get it. Those, I really don't. Those, Maybe we sound like old fuddy-duddies. I, I think I totally we might be old fuddy-duddies, but no, I, I, I agree with you. But you were, you know, Huntington, West Virginia, in this area around here, there were a lot of bands, and uh, you, were, you, were, in bands, some, you were in some good bands. bands. I mean, when I think about how many good bands there were, because I, I see it on some of these Facebook uh, sites, some of the ones about Huntington, they like to talk about the old bands and, and everything, and there were some just incredible bands. Even though I didn't get to hear them as much as I wanted to, because our band was always, you know, playing at the same time. But when we did a night off, and I would go hear some of the other bands, I was just astounded at how how good they were. And the music scene in Huntington was just really lively. We, you know, we ended up, and I think most of the bands in the area did the tri-state kind of thing. You know, we right. play in West Virginia. Ohio and Kentucky. So we were always busy, all of us, playing all the time. Uh, you know, I played a lot at Marshall and did a lot of Marshall events, and it seemed like we did everybody's prom, and there were just, uh, there were dance clubs. I remember there was a, a club called the Harvest Moon Dance Club. Right. There was a dance. Riverside and, across uh, the river. Yeah, Riverside, we played there all the time. It was great. Yeah, I mean, we used to play down at Rupp Arena, um, you know, for big shows down there. And I remember we opened for, uh, for a couple big bands down there, Jay Giles band. And, um, it was, yeah, it was just really a, a big deal in, in the tri-state area, lots of music and a lot of talent. I mean, you know, I remember a band called the dynamics. Oh yeah. Fantastic. I love those guys. I actually taught the bass player how to play bass. Which wow. Is, you know, I claim the same. But um, he had lived in my neighborhood, and we had a band together for a while. And then uh, I taught him how to play bass, and he went on to play at the Dynamics, and I thought they were just really, really good. But, you know, the dance clubs, you know, you talked about dance clubs, and it's not what you would think of, you know, the young people today would think of a dance club. It's not where people went and got rowdy and shot each other and stabbed each other and stuff. I mean, it was (laughs) people went there to have fun and to dance and to hang out. That's right. It was a big deal and lots of fun. And those dances, they would be packed. Uh, I remember uh, they used to rent out. There were a lot of places around town that that, uh, could be rented out for dances. I remember the American Legion was downtown like on 6th Avenue or something. And they had a big uh, disco ball in the center of the big dance floor. And uh, I remember that thing going and that floor would be packed with people. And they had a nice stage and we'd be up on stage playing and uh, it was a great thing, and those things were, were well attended, and people just had so much fun. And, you know, I'm assuming there's nothing like that anymore. Am, am I right? I don't know. No, not not that I'm aware of. I mean, no. I just don't, I you just don't see it. You and haven't been out to any of those. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Joyce and I never hear anything like that going on down here either. Um, no. And, you know, in some ways, I, I would love, you know, <laughs> to to see the big bands come back and have the big dances again, you know, with a big band, like with a whole oh, section. Yeah. How great that would be. I mean, that, that would, be, that would be pretty awesome. Yeah, but I, I'm, I'm guessing it's not going to happen. Probably not. <laughs> so, Randy. Maybe, maybe from our, our lips to God's ears. Maybe. You, know, you never know. Out there may, may cause it to happen. You never know. 
So from Huntington, West Virginia, playing in bands here in Huntington, West Virginia, to Georgia, and you've been involved in the industry. Tell us about that trip down there, and how did music affect your path as as you became an adult? Well, it actually affected everything I did in my life. I mean, amazingly. It affected all the friends I had made. Uh, practically all of them have been through music in one way or the other. When I moved to Atlanta, I came here because um, I was going to go to work in the television industry. That was partially because of my musical background. I had worked for a company in Huntington called the Pied Piper. Right. And I did all their television and radio commercials. Uh, and it was a, a company that sold musical gear and stereo gear and big sound stage equipment for big bands. And because I did the commercials, one of the guys that had worked for me there moved to Atlanta and got involved in the television business. And he said, you know, I know a guy that would be great to work for um, AMC and Bravo, which was the, were the networks. You probably familiar with them, uh, you know, right, they're, right. They're still around today. And so um, he sent him a clip of some of my commercials that I had done in Huntington and um, they hired me, believe it or not. So I came down and I went to work for AMC and Bravo and uh, Sports Channel New England. Stayed in the television business for a number of years, probably, gosh, I don't know, 20 years. I, I worked on the network side and I worked in uh, on the what they call the post-production side, which is all the audio and, you know, television editing and special effects and satellite distribution. I remember at the post-production company, we had six very large recording studios I was totally at home because that was where I wanted to be, you know, in the, in the recording studio as a musician, that's where, it's where you want to be. And I, I love that, that business and all the people I met in that industry because many of them were musicians. They had music backgrounds and that's how they got into television. And so it was just a really a natural fit for me. And uh, like I said, I did it for a long time and, and loved it. It was great. I miss it, actually. I almost wish I wasn't retired. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of retirement, you've kind of returned to your roots a bit in retirement. Uh, what do we got? Uh, we're composing songs now and uh, cutting a few demos. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, Randy. yeah. You know, you have to you have to stay with it, or you don't you don't want to. It's use it or lose it. Right, know? right. So um, I've done it. You know, ever since I can remember, I've had some kind of little studio in my, my home. I started writing songs probably when I was in the ninth grade. I remember writing, <laughs> I would write a song and I would name it after whatever girl I was dating at the time. <laughs> and if you change girlfriends, you know, you just change the name. You just change the name, right, right. It was, it was so easy, yeah. You know, it didn't really get sophisticated till I guess, I think about 2007, I got my first song on a network television series. Right. I thought, oh, wow, this is, this is great. Something in my, that I made in my basement is being <laughs> aired on you know, national television. I got, a, I got paid for it, and, and it was fun. And so I said, yeah, I'm going to do, do some more of this. So uh, you know, I was able to upgrade the studio, and um, you know, I started writing a lot of songs, had a lot of songs on TV, been used for radio commercials, TV commercials, whatever. And uh, 
course, I'm still waiting for that big artist to cut one of my songs. Oh, yeah. Mega Million Seller. That hasn't happened yet. Well, you wrote but, a country. Uh, you wrote a country song here a while back too. Yeah, it was good. I loved it. I'm working on one right now. We're right. We're, we're doing one. Uh, you know, I try to follow the market trends for music, so I'll know what people are going to want to license for television shows or for commercials or whatever. And because country music is so big now, right? You know, um, I've been writing more country style songs, and uh, that's worked out pretty well and i like them i actually started listening to country music probably around 2000 when when rocks started changing it didn't feel like the, the music that i grew up on right. anymore country sort of took it over and when i listen to country music now it reminds me of the old rock that we used to listen to down at davidson's record shop absolutely absolutely yeah, it's very similar and i love it i mean i practically almost listen to country music more than anything else. Yeah, that's that's what uh, that's what I've been doing, and it's, uh, it's fun. And because technology has gotten so much better, I have a co-writer I write with um, who's also from Huntington. His name's Steve Burdett. Right. He lives in Daytona Beach. And we are, he has a studio in his home, and I have a studio in my home. And via email and sending music tracks over the web, Back and forth, we can actually put together a song. He can perform his parts down there. I can perform mine here in Atlanta. And then we put them all together and send them off to a mastering lab in Los Angeles. And they master the song for us. And it comes back and we never have to leave our house. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> it's incredible. I mean, you know, that, that, that's something I could have only dreamed of back in the day. But now it's a, it's a reality. And, of course, it, you know, it's a lot of emailing back and forth and, and arguing about lyrics and, uh, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. no, let's make it this chord or, or whatever, uh, which takes a lot longer when you do it via email than if you're sitting in a studio together. Right. But um, it's still fun, and it's, it's still been, been great for us. You know, we actually wrote a song about um, a place in Huntington that we – uh, all knew very well called Rotary Park. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it ended up being a sort of a semi-hit. Yeah. And uh, I said, that's so funny. It's a song about, you know, where I grew up. Right. But, uh, yeah, that incredible. was a lot of fun to write that one. Well, Randy, I'm looking at the hourglass here, and I think we're probably about out of time for this episode. But, man, it's been great to be with you again. And would you would you consider coming on again sometime, and maybe we can talk about some uh, some other music and and different things like that? Oh yeah, I think we just barely touched. The oh yeah, we just we just barely got into it, so we'll have to do it again. And uh, I'd love to. Yeah, man, uh, I tell I, you, it's it's uh, you, it's you, great to reconnect with you. I have to say, like you said, I don't know. You know, when you move away from a place, you you also move away from the people, and right. you know. You forget about those people you really like and you miss, and then I was fortunate enough to run into you up yeah. there in Huntington again, and I was like, oh, yeah. That's great. Uh, we well, a mutual, a mutual so friend of ours, uh, mutual good. friend, mutual friend of ours, Tom Sheets, listens to this podcast, so he'll he'll hear this interview next week too. So, oh my gosh, I can't wait to hear his criticism. <laughs> However, I'll, I'll just go ahead and say Tom Sheets, one of the greatest guitar players I know, 
That way, maybe he'll say nice things about us. He'll say nice things about us. Okay. (laughs) Well, Randy, it's been great, and we will get back together and uh, tell your lovely wife, Joyce, I said hello and send her my best. And uh, And thank uh, you, Sherry. Tell her I'm glad she's doing better, and uh, it's great, and I hope she keeps doing better. It's been great. It's been great talking with you. Okay, thanks. Thanks. Bye bye. Well, that was our recorded telephone interview with our friend Randy Bishop, fellow baby boomer. And I hope you enjoyed our ramblings down memory lane. Randy didn't mention it, but I'm going to uh, give you a couple of web addresses here where you can tune in to some of Randy's music and his partner, Steve Burdett. Two great professionally done websites, and uh, you can listen to some tunes there, or if you decide you want to buy a tune, uh, you can certainly do that as well. Great music from a couple of great guys. The first one is... Uh, can be found Randy's website of course www.randybishopmusic all one word randybishopmusic.com randybishopmusic.com the other site that uh, he and Steve have some of their songs on is Inception 67 Inception 67 dot bandcamp all one word bandcamp Dot com. Once again, that's Inception67, Inception67.bandcamp.com. I'll also put those web addresses in the description of this episode, so if you didn't get those, you can replay this, or you can look in the episode description online. Well, it was great having Randy on, and we're going to continue this a series for a few weeks with some other guests that I'm sure you'll enjoy. And uh, we appreciate you tuning in this week. We hope uh, that you uh, enjoyed our trip down memory lane there and that you'll join us for the next episode and for every episode of Be Boomer Unleashed. We look forward to being with you again, but until then, have a great week and may God bless each and every one of you. Goodbye. Goodbye.